All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sears Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. We're here with the captain, Mr. Andy Full. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett. Andy, long day on the stream. How'd it go? It was all right. Um, I'm going to save how it really went for a later date because I don't want to blow up too much water. But it was um, it was good. It was a slow start. And then <clears throat> just fished a bunch of new water that I haven't fished in probably 10, 11 years and went on a hike. Was able to clear my mind on a lot of things and caught a bunch of fish. So it was um, it was a fun day. I was sitting at home working. Such a jerk. <laughs> You're asking that on purpose. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, was, it was splendid. I loved looking at my computer screen. It really topped the view of watching some steelhead at the end of your line, you jerk. Uh, yeah. I mean, although you won't go steelhead fishing with me, so you don't know the true experience. So It's very true. Sorry, man. If it ain't brown or green, I don't want to go catch it. <laughs> well, they do turn green. So, like, they got these green backs, and then if they get real dirty, they turn brown with pink. So they're oh. green and brown. So you lose that argument, buddy. I know. Fair enough. I, uh, Dude, I am looking forward to uh, a weekend – I haven't been able to fish. Well, obviously we went fishing Friday last week with Rudd for the wedding, but uh past couple of weeks haven't really been able to dedicate like a full day to go and fish and filming. So uh I'm hoping that these uh big old green northern fish will come and play for one last weekend before it gets too cold up here. Uh because I'm gonna get distracted here with that uh that late fall smallmouth bite, I'm sure. So I'm gonna try to play around with some green ones. Snow on Halloween, so you better hurry up because you know once that water hits a certain degree, those green ones hate to bite up here for whatever reason. I will so. say though, Halloween has always been my favorite day fishing wise the past few falls because yeah. last last Halloween caught that uh seven pound largemouth. Uh and then the one before that caught one that was almost seven. Uh so I always have a good Halloween for whatever it is. It's just good spooky one. season, man. The the monsters come out to play. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I tentatively have my last bass trip on Sunday, and it's going to be raining and cold all day, so I can't wait. I got to call Jeff and see if I can put my boat in his barn and air it out after that for a couple days because it's going to be a drencher. But the smallmouth are biting on Erie, which I do have some days open. I'm going to leave the boat out probably till December if people want to sneak out to end yeah. on that note. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I am looking forward to picking up a, a big old jig this weekend. And going to work, which is fitting because Andy, I would say our guest for today, Mr. Caleb Hufall, I would put in the bucket of some of the best jig or flippers, jig fishermen or flippers oh, that are on the sure. Master Elite series. <laughs> and not only does he just pick up a jig off the shelf and go, he makes it from start to finish, which we're going to get into a little bit here. Um, yeah, which we'll, we'll get into part, all right? that because we're going to get into one, obviously, how he how he's making his jigs, but two, we're going to get into some unique fall baits that we like to throw. And Andy and I are going to give some of ours. Caleb's going to give some of his. Uh, but before that, let's bring him on here, yeah. introduce him, and that is Mr. Caleb Kufall. What's going on, man? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of Heck course. Yeah. Is it getting yeah. cold up there yet? Not quite yet. Uh, today is about 65 degrees. Uh, we're expecting it to possibly snow this weekend, though. So. Mm gonna get cold here quick but for now it's it's been pretty decent you know water's still you know in the about upper 50s now so you know it's starting oh, to get warm. down there push our bite you know is that warm for this time of year in wisconsin normally it has been yeah we've had a real late uh kind of summer you know bleeding into the fall now but i think it's gonna change quick you know our leaves around here are, you know we got a lot of trees that are still green and that's just not normal this time of year so yeah that's kind of crazy that you got some green because we're basically all orange and red and yellow up here and in trees with no leaves at this point too like i feel like our fall foliage season went from like green to all the trees changed in like two days and it was yeah. warm out when they all changed which was wild that never happens Usually yeah, that's kind of what's problem. happening here too. But I live in the kind of the southern part of Wisconsin, so um, you know it's a little bit warmer down here. It's about you know if you go to the top of the state, it's like ten degrees colder. So hmm. yeah, Makes so well, yeah, around here. Are you the are you the guy picking up 
a bow chasing some whitetail, or are you out here still still fishing? No, I, I fish till the end. Um, I fish until the water gets hard. Um, I'm not into hunting. I don't know. I've just never had, uh, you know, like a family member, like, you know, my, my dad or grandfather or anything really get me into the sport. So, you know, it's kind of just been fishing. Um, you know, and surprisingly, no, you know, my family members, my, my dad, my grandfather did a little bit of fishing, but my dad, you know, he doesn't do any fishing. I got three brothers, none of them fish at all. So I'm just kind of, you know, the lone, uh, outdoorsman you might say sounds like me and uh, caleb here have a similar life story my dad doesn't fish none of my siblings fish none of my grandparents fished and i don't hunt so i i think we'd get along pretty good here <laughs> yeah yeah exactly no i fished till the end i mean i think last year my last day out was december 13th so and that's where you can't go out there's like one lake it's all open you know that's got some current that is a nice up so do you last ever year i had to break a bunch like, of ice do you ever go down like illinois and fish in the winter or it's like do their lakes freeze at the same time i i used to um you know now with like the the tournaments you know that we do the elite series and stuff they start so early that you know it really doesn't my off season is so short you know that it really doesn't pay to go down there and you know spend any kind of time so yeah you're probably heading to florida in mid-december i would assume or close to it uh i don't plan on it i'm going down to toledo bend i think mid-january um you know just right before the the cutoff yeah. uh planning on getting down there doing some some pre-practicing in um i would like to get down to the harris chain at some point uh but we'll just have to see maybe you know just before the cutoff there as well but i don't know it's going to be an interesting year you know the schedule's out now it's like been the, you know that we're good um as opposed to this last year other events that uh that i've never been before but you know this year i like it i like it except for the last one or two maybe but it is what it is yeah um well, kind of getting into that, like how you've gotten to this point, you know, if no, no parents got you into fishing or, or outdoorsy or anything like that, how the heck did you get into fishing then in the first place? That's a great question. Yeah. So, well, my brother used to live on a lake um, and kind of got me into it. I was really young and, you know, just bluegills and stuff like that. But uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, my family moved out to a different place to uh, like 12 anchor lakes um you know near it and we were on the lake but we were near it and they were just chock full of bass you know and that's kind of how i got into bass fishing i used to drag a canoe down there and fish uh just about every day and um you know i bought my first boat when i was 18 uh got a nitro 700 lx and started fishing little tournaments around the house and got into the bfls fished them for a couple of years then i fished the back then it was the everstart series um for a couple of years there and then i got into the flw tour um as a co-angler i fished that for five years learning from you know all the best guys and um some of them who i you know compete against today but um then I, I kind of crossed over to the boater side, fished the BFLs and the Everstarts, and then uh, eventually, you know, Bassmaster opens, and, you know, that's kind of the way it's going for me. Heck, yeah. Has your style changed in any way from, from that? Have you always been just a flipper, kind of do-it-your-way kind of deal, or have you morphed a little bit now that you've gotten to the elites? That's what I, I prefer to do. Obviously, you know, you want to kind of fish your strengths. Um that's how I got into the lead series is, is fishing that way. Uh, 2019 is when I qualified, uh, through the opens and that was a four tournament division that year. Uh, so we had to do four tournaments, uh, to qualify. And I think we went to Toledo bend on the first one. Um, Mississippi in there, Smith Lake, Alabama, and then Grand Lake got the season up. Um, so a number of like, you know, more power fishing type fisheries. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we're 
talking about jigs today. Um, I think I caught them on a jig in every single event. Um, I think there was a few outlying fish um, that I caught on like a swim jig, I think, at the Mississippi River. But I think every single fish that I caught that year was on my homemade jig. So that was kind of <laughs> interesting. So, I mean, not, not versatile it, by any means, <laughs> you know, but it gets you there. <laughs> That's just confidence. That's so, but, you is. know, since so, I, I'm forcing a jig, they're eating a jig, and I love it is basically was your mantra for those tournaments. <laughs> yeah, it, it generates big bites, you know. I mean, if they're eating it. And you know what? That's thing is that you can – you know, you know they're gonna eat it. Uh, it's those things that you can pretty much catch fish anytime you want to catch fish on it. You know, it doesn't seem like it's really have. You know, it really has a niche in any way where you know you have to be using it. Or, you know, only in a certain situation. You can. It's versatile. I mean, you can use it in pretty much anything you want. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess real fast before we kind of get into your specific jig setup and how you make it with do it molds and things like that, how do you, cause I feel like and say what the f- past five, seven years, maybe, maybe even more recent than that. But like the, I feel like the compact jig, the smaller compact jig has become pretty popular amongst, I, I feel like it's more so maybe the northerners, but, uh, then you have your guys that are like, ah, I want to throw this big flipping jig, bigger the better. And there's guys that throw finesse. How do you decide? Like, do you have one that you just stay universal throughout? That's just kind of like a normal standard size. Or is there times when you bulk up? Is there times when you go down the compact? Like, how how do you differentiate the size of your flipping jig? Yeah, there's there's one that I throw more than anything else, um, and that's just a pretty much just a standard flipping jig. Um, I. I uh, mold them in, uh, I think, three eighths and half uh, with a five eighths every once in a while. But, um, you know, I use that one probably, you know, 60% of the time. Um, and then I like pouring a ball head. Um, that one I use, you know, generally more around like uh, any lakes that don't have any weeds in it, you know, a lot of rock structure, stuff like that. It's more of a finesse jig. Um, you know, I crop the skirts off at the top. You know, it's a finesse. It's a finesse deal. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then I got jigs that I, that I use for grass fishing a lot too. Um, you know, punching grass and you know, I make those in like a five ace up to a seven ace. Uh, and those have got like a, more of a, a cone, you know, head on them, um, you know, to, so you can, you know, flip short targets and stuff and punch through those weeds. Um, but, uh, I do tie a football head as well. Um, you know, that's for obviously open stuff, but I would say the one that I do the most is just that standard, uh, it's a sparky head, um, you know, from do it molds. And, you know, that's kind of been the one, the staple for me, I fish docks with it. I fish weeds with it. I fish, um, you know, just a, a great open water, open water jig. So that's been my staple for almost 20 years now. Now, do you get crazy on colors or are you pretty much standard? I used to. I used to. I used to tie like, you know, a dozen different colors and I used to experiment all the time, you know, and it's like, oh, this one's going to be great, you know, and this one, you know, I got to change just, I need four more strands of this color, you know, (laughs) you know, before they're going to (laughs) bite, you know, but now I pretty much, uh, honestly, I have like four colors. You know, and that's about it. Um, generally, how do, you I have choose a, your color? how do I choose a color? Yeah. Um, it, whatever the fish bite, you know, I mean, I are on deck all the time. <laughs> I've done it. Yeah, exactly. I've done it for so many years that I kind of have developed the colors that I really like and, and kind of just stick with those. I really don't, uh, you know, vary it a whole lot, you know, um, you know, I'm kind of a, of the, of a believer in, you know, that if you have a lot of colors, you know, it's more just for the, you know, in a, in a company, it's more just for the, the fishermen to, you know, buy more colors because we need them all, you know, but in reality, you know, what the fish are going to bite, are they going to bite a jig that's got four more strands of strands of orange in it than, you know, a standard green pumpkin or, you know, stuff like that. You know, it's just, I don't think so. I mean, I got, one color honestly that i throw probably you know 75 percent of the time and then the other 
three or four colors are, you know, 25% of the time just for special situations and water colors and that sort of thing. I dig it. I like that. I'm the same way. I mean, on the occasion that I throw a swim jig, I don't throw a swim jig enough, but I basically only ever really throw like a white or maybe a black, black and blue. When it comes to flipping a jig, it's either green pumpkin or black and blue. That's about about as all I throw anymore. Maybe a black here and there, but honestly, that's that's pretty much all you need. I do uh, dabble a little bit in my my trailers. Um, you know, I do carry a lot of dyes and stuff that you know I'll dye a trailer. Generally, the ends, you know, with orange or chartreuse or blue or you know whatever there, but um, you know, not not a whole lot though. You know, pretty much I, you got your bread and butter and you stick with it. Yeah. I'm pretty much in the same boat. I'm like black, black, blue, like a PB and J and then a green pumpkin. And then it's the same thing. Like I carry three or four different trailers and dyes and mix them Mm -hmm. based on what the watercolor is. Or if a fish spits up something on my deck, I can tell what they're really eating on and go from there. Right. Where you need to be going. Yep. Yep. Match the hatches. Don't ask him about Sankos because Andy's got like 45,000 different colors of Sankos. No, I do not. I have four colors. <laughs> four. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. The, you the know little, little that, that, We're going purple flake. <laughs> four. Four colors. Yeah, that, that pretty much. <laughs> it pretty much goes for everything, you know, that I that I do. Like, if you look at my thousands and thousands of bags of plastics in my basement, um, you know, you see black and blue and you see green pumpkin more than anything else, you know, and um, not to say that, I mean, yeah, I use a lot of other colors, you know, just because they're, you know, confidence baits and, um, you know, uh, yeah, sometimes they'll bite, you know, this color as opposed to that one a little bit better. But um, in generalities, you know, when you go to so many different lakes, um, you know, you kind of got to keep it simple, at least at first. So, yeah. How much do you see like when you go from lake to lake to lake that they might eat like, let's say a black jig and you can throw the same jig on every lake, but a lot of times it's just like a simple nuance of like dipping the tail green or orange that they bite it better. Yeah, I would see that a lot. I, I think it really depends on the, uh, the forge that you're, you know, that you're fishing in, you know, generally if you got a, a strong, you know, bluegill bite if they're feeding on bluegills, you know, then I'll put a little bit of chartreuse on the ends, um, you know, on the ends of my jigs. But, um, you know, if the water's really dirty, you know, you obviously go to a black blue or, if you know, shad patterns and stuff like that, go with something a little bit lighter, you know. But, yeah, I mean, you find that uh, in certain situations, uh, yeah, you bite something a little bit better than the than the rest. So, yeah, I'm. I'm a strickler when it comes to I always get stuck just throwing the same jig everywhere, even though I like four different colors. Whatever bait I'm getting bit on on one lake, I'm like, it's going to work because it's my confidence, and it usually does. So it's funny how that right. works. When right. Right. Yep. People tell you what you That's the biggest do. thing. It's all confidence. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so with that, I, I have two more questions that were going on. Of course, I'm very curious. Um, <laughs> before we start talking about your jig specifically do you have like a go-to trailer that you're willing to talk about yeah i do it's a uh back when i first designed the jig i used to use the uh, zoom chunk junior um it's just a basic chunk uh you know nothing nothing special doesn't have any action whatsoever to it um you know now the one that i primarily you know, throw the most would be a big bite salty craw. I think it's called. I used to buy them from uh, lure parts online and they called it a salty craw. I'm not sure what big bite um, calls it, but it's the same identical profile and everything. It's a 2.75 inch. They sell it in two different uh, sizes. They got the 2.75 and they got the 3.5. And I like the smaller one, um, you know, generally for what I'm doing. So, and I think they only sell them in like five different colors you know i get pretty much just the standard green pumpkin black blue and you know maybe one other but that's that's my you know that's the the one that i throw probably you know 80 percent of the time you know obviously on my other jigs i'm going to be throwing something a little bit different um you know like on grass jigs and football heads and you know stuff like that but on that jig that's what i throw i like it yeah and i like it because they have hunter packs 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that about Big Bite because Andy and I have invested in a few of them and it's just get as many as you possibly can. Uh, yep. I know There's one thing I could say about soft plastic companies, they got to have more 100 packs. Yeah. yeah. That's probably my favorite part about Big Bite. It's not even so much that the bait is so great. It's the fact that you can get them in bulk and save a ton of money because as a jig trailer, if it has any bit of action, it's just a compliment to the profile. Like if they're eating a jig, they're going to eat it with just about any trailer. It's just what do you have confidence in, in my opinion, as long as it looks good. Now Now I'm going through trying to figure out what crawl it might have been from big Lion pace that, that you were talking about. There can't be more than a couple, I would guess. Salty crawl or something like that. So here, here we go. I'm, they I'm got it on tackle warehouse. <laughs> I'm going to read you all of the big bite baits, crawl baits that they have in their lineup. We have, <laughs> the big bite baits. we have the yo mama, the yo daddy, the, uh, okay. We could take out craw tubes. That's a different thing. We have the swimming craw. We have the, I don't even know what is that even a bass. It looks like a craw, but it looks tiny. The sensation ram tail, yeah. uh, the real deal craw, the kamikaze craw. Yeah, we have the college craw. I don't know who came up with college craw. That's an interesting one. Uh, the chunk. What else do they have? That's probably yeah. it. I think that's it. But <laughs> it's like, how many does he have pinchers on it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a college craw. <laughs> Let's see. I'll pull it up and, uh, and uh, it's just a it. it's just a chunk and it's got uh, pinchers. It's got pinchers on the end, like a craw pincher. Okay, maybe it's not the college craw. College craw kind of looks chigger craw esque. Let's see. Oh, I wish yeah, I had this one. one. It's just big bite baits chunk, and they come in a hundred pack. And there's three colors: there's black, blue, green pumpkin, and watermelon seed red. You know what it's it kind of looks like to me is. Um, an enhanced version of the Zoom Super Chunk because they had like the swimming Super Chunk. Mm-hmm. It was like the mix between, and then it looks like all they did was cut like an extra flange in that chunk. Is it this one? No. Nope. Which one is it? That's like a baby pack of. It's That's a chunk. chunk. Like, yeah. like, like, look, it's very similar to the Rage Chunk, but it's got two like. It's got a cut in the middle of the pincher, so you have four flanges on instead of two. Oh, the two. Kamikaze Craw. No, yeah, I don't know if that's it. Yeah. Oh, which one is it? Which one? Did you say uh, the one that has it's like yeah, it's like it's pinchers, but it yeah, it's got four four points on the end. Uh, it's just the standard chunk. Two on each side. Yeah, yeah, um, just a standard chunk. Yep. Yeah, they, they have it on Omnia. Hold on, Bailey. Sorry, it's like I was just yeah. There, more like, parts online sells them too. There must be a generic mold because they uh, there's there's a bunch of different companies that sell those things. There it is. That's it. Yeah, that's it right there. Oh, all right, we well, found it. <laughs> we did indeed. Omnia looks like they do not have it in hundred packs, so we'll have to talk to them. But they that's have true. it. Yeah. I think they come in like eight or something. Hold on, let's see. Doesn't well, while say. he's looking at that, uh, Caleb, what is your standard flipping setup like from rod reel standpoint? So uh, I use the seven one medium heavy. It's uh, Saint Croix Legend Tournament Series, Legend, Legend Tournament Bass, um, and it's a little bit lighter rod than a lot of guys use. Um, you know, you know, the guys that I fish against, you know, they say, "Oh man, that's a that's too light a rod." You know, you got to go up to heavy or something. But I don't know. There's something about that rod that just uh, you know is just right for for working that jig. Um, but outside of that, use a PC fun, uh, alloy M for the reel. And then I usually go with 17 to 20 pound, uh, vicious fluorocarbon. Uh, usually go with just the standard green label, hundred percent vicious. Um, but usually 20 pound, um, for that jig, um, you know, I will go down to, to either 15 or 17 if it's really, you know, clear water scenario, but you know, I've always been using that that seven to seven one medium heavy though. All the years that I've been fishing that thing, um, I started fishing it with the uh, the old Saint Croix Avids, and um, I think I went to the Avid X for a while, and now using those Legend tournaments are just the perfect rod for it. Heck yeah, yeah, I like the rod butt they have on those. 
I haven't used too many St. Croix, but um, they hit a home run with that one. They came out with it, uh, I think, like two two years ago. I want to say now the le- new Legend Tournament, the revamped uh, version. But yeah, they hit a home run with that one. That's been a great ride. The whole series is awesome. Oh, uh, maybe I'm confused. Is uh, is the Legend Tournament have the same like bulbous butt end that the Legend Extreme has? That makes sense. Um, it doesn't have a bulb on it. No, no. I'd have to look and see exactly what it has, but it's a split grip. Um, it's a split grip on there. Oh, okay. But they revamped them. They put a little different reel seat on it. Um, and they slimmed down the cork a little bit. It's easier to palm now. Um, you know, it's a little bit thinner than their old versions were. But I'm not sure what's on the end. Um, you know. Oh yeah, it looks like the tournament or just cork. I looked it up, but yeah, the, yeah, it's it's cork. Yeah, got it. Yeah, the Legend Extreme has like the. Here, I'll, I'll share screen it. So yeah, they got like, the. Uh, what is it like that neoprene handle? That black one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's got the bulb on the end. Um, they used mm-hmm. to do that or have that same style with the Avids as well. It was a full cork model, um, mm-hmm. but that was some time ago. They don't even make those anymore. I don't believe. It's crazy what in like ten years the rod market has become because i feel like growing up it was saint croix and loomis obviously you had your your general ones like lose and abu in there but like i feel like it was like saint croix was like what everyone was striving to go buy that or the loomis yeah. rods is now there's 45 yeah, yeah you go rod brands. you go on to tackle warehouse and you look at all the rod brands now and it's like there's like 50 of them <laughs> it's just everybody makes a rod nowadays for some reason i don't know mm. Yeah, and then every every rod brand thinks they need to make a reel, and every reel brand thinks they need to make a rod. Where it's like sometimes you guys can just you can stop. <laughs> That's right. They want to do it all. Evidently, yeah. Saint Croix just yeah. came out with their new one. Their seven reels. Yeah. So those are pretty interesting. Have you had a chance to use them yet? Uh no. I mean, since I'm uh, sponsored by another reel manufacturer, um, I'm probably not going to be running them. But um, yeah. I did get get my hands on a few of them last time I went up to the factory. Um, and they're pretty legit. I mean, they're, they're, you know, it's a solid reel, obviously anything coming out from, you know, St. Croix is going to be, you know, a good product, you know? Yeah. So, sure. but yeah, they look good. I'm sure they'll do really well with them. Nice. Well, dude, let's, uh, let's dive into your, your jig, your yeah, creation. Power in. We're here to talk jigs. <laughs> My jig. Yeah. So I started, I developed that jig probably almost 20 years ago. Um, and I, I, you know, went through all kinds of testing on it and, you know, making sure that everything was just right. You know, I went through tons of different hooks and weed guards and, you know, skirts and thousand different colors and all that stuff. But I kind of settled on the, uh, the sparky mold from do it. Um, you know, that's been kind of the, the staple for me. Um, and I think that mold comes in a quarter, a three ace, a half and a five ace. Um, and that's kind of been the one that I, that I use, but I make them from scratch. You know, I pour the, uh, pour the lead. I get the lead from, um, a friend of mine that, uh, used to work for a tire shop and, you know, they got the lead weights and stuff that he gives me. I get bucket loads of it. So, um, but yeah, I, I pour them, I paint them. Um, you know, I put the, uh, the weed guard, the filaments in them and it's just been, a been a great jig i got one right here i'll show you yeah, we'll blow it up here. yeah this is the kind of the standard the standard hook that i use for the standard Which, uh, uh, color right there that's just a standard green pumpkin it's got uh actually three different colors in it uh two are barbed wire and then the other one's going to be a dalmatian uh, so i see some uh, green and that I, what's that I see some green in the purple. I might be reflecting off the camera. There's no purple in there. There's some green fleck in there, though. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what they call that particular strand, but it's like, uh, I would consider it almost like a whiskey um, or an ale mm. um, okay. with uh, the green fleck. But the uh, this, the other ones, the um, barbed wire ones, are going to be just a standard army green, and then the Dalmatian would be you know, just a standard green pumpkin, I believe it is. So, I like but it. one kind of interesting thing that I do do is, uh, 
And I saw, I saw Randall Tharp do this a number of years ago, but he puts this little piece of uh, shrink tubing on here mm-hmm. up from the, you know, the bend pretty much. And that uh, basically creates a stopper for that chunk, you know, especially when you're flipping docks and stuff like that, skipping underneath it. A lot of times those chunks, you know, tend to go all the way down here and they just wreck the action. Um, so, yeah, I learned to do this. Just put the shrink tubing on there and just don't shrink one end of it. Um, so it's kind of opened at this end and that'll stop that chunk from sliding down. So that's kind of a unique, uh, you know, type of deal that I do with it. Um, the actual filaments are a 24 thousandths of an inch. I think they make, uh, you know, 18 thousandths, 21 thousandths, and then a 24, this would be their heavy one. And it's a boss. That's freaking sick. Now, Um, do you boss manufacturer? You, you might've, said it already but which hook do you put in that the hook i use is a, a gamagatsu 294 294 okay and it used to be harder to get now you can get it pretty much anywhere you can get it on uh tackle warehouse it's uh i don't think they call it a 294 um it's their just standard 60 degree uh jig hook that they have on there i'm not sure that they actually name it 294 but that's the number from gamagatsu on it um, a lot of companies have the 291s, and that's going to be a bronze finish, uh, where the 294s are going to have the black nickel. Oh, sweet. So what we'll do um, for folks that are listening or watching this on YouTube, we'll have um, the specific head as well as hooks and all that jazz linked to do it molds down there in case, one, you want to get set up, or two, you're already set up and you want to get that specific deal that uh, Caleb's pouring, as well as we'll put his his jig flipping rod set up all that jazz down there to Omnia too. Um, when it comes to the, the keeper, do you have a specific preference and what your jigs have from a, from a keeper standpoint or do you not, does it not matter too much for you? Cause you're using chunks. Uh, well, yeah, on this particular jig, it doesn't matter. Cause I use, I use the chunks, you know, I got that little stopper on there. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it for that jig. Uh, I will use a keeper for like my grass jigs and, um, you know, a number of my other ones as well. Something that I'm actually threading on, um, you know, that I'll use a keeper for, uh, my keeper system is kind of an interesting deal. Um, I actually just, my, the last video that I did for do it molds, um, had that particular keeper system in it, but, um, it's kind of unlike, uh, you know, a standard keeper. Um, you know, if you look on a jig, basically what I do is I use, a uh kind of a rubbery substance it's almost like a rubber band and Mm -hmm. i tie a loop into the jig before i actually tie the weed guard on or the the skirt material on um and that loop basically you thread your bait on there and then you just stretch the loop over the hook and it locks that uh that plastic in place so there's not a whole lot of jig companies i don't think that actually do it that way i've only seen a couple jigs you know that that have that but um you know personally i love like screw locks you know they do an excellent job of you know holding plastics but i'm not a huge fan of just the standard wire keepers you know it wrecks your bait real fast and it just doesn't seem to do a good job yeah yeah 100 i'm a big fan of like the uh you're like a double the double double no not double collar double holder um and i just usually just super glue them yeah yeah you one spike from the bottom one from the top is that what you're talking about yeah yeah i think it's the one that has like the just two rings one with like one more of an insert me oh like a double barb where it slides up and you super glue double barb yeah yeah i'll share screen that has a double barb on it to grab the bait a lot of swim jig heads will have it not swim jig heads right heads will have it that's usually the one I just go with where it just kind of locks the plastic in, but then I usually just super glue it where it doesn't have like the super glue it in wreck it. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see what, I, I don't know for whatever reason. And it's like, I don't get why I won't do it because you know, literally I was sitting there drooling, watching you flip cypress trees on Santee Cooper with your jig and I won't use a chunk yet. I don't know for whatever reason I have this mental gap over throwing a chunk on a jig. I don't know if like it, it, I think it goes back to you talking about 
how there's a lot of these baits that just sell the angler. And I think that's what it is, is if my OCD sees a jig and I must have it like threaded on perfectly. And mm-hmm. it's just how my mind works where it's like you just put on a chunk and you're good to go. And for whatever reason, my OCD just can't overcome doing that, even though I watch it, watch you do it and it works supremely well. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, there's, I, I don't know what. It's just something that I've that I've done. I've liked the chunks over the you know threading anything on, and you know that could have something to do with uh, you know the baits that you're putting on there too. I mean, if you're threading a bait on, usually they don't last nearly as long as the chunks do. Um, you know, you get a couple fish on them and they're done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, there you got so many different options out there like you know beaver styles and you know twin tail trailers and you know there's just so many options out there craw trailers you know like you know a lot of the rage series stuff like that that a lot of guys use um there's so many options out there you just got to kind of you know feel your way through them and get your confidence baits so yeah and i think i just need to suck it up and do it because literally some of the best jig fishermen like yourself all use chunks like yourself Bill yeah, Owen, some pork, baby. yeah like some all you guys are using chunks and I'm yeah the old yeah the old pork rind the old pork rinds yep yeah, uncle josh number 11s i used to use those all the time <laughs> especially in the fall a little bit of cold water bass fishing I think my first ever fish I caught on a jig was a black and blue jig with an Uncle Josh's number 11 pork chunk. And that's yep. the only fish I ever caught with that chunk. And then for the longest time, I used the triple rattleback jig, which has a similar head, but with a big old rattle in it. Mm-hmm. And I bought the Zoom Super Speed Chunk, I think it is. So it's got like the arms on it, so it really kicks hard. And it has... Basically the same style as the big bait, big bite bait one that you have. And it was yeah. always black and blue with a sapphire blue chunk and caught so many good fish with it. And then one day I just got away from it. Right. Right. I've always been, you know, there's so many different styles of trailers out there, but I've always kind of been, uh, you know, the type that I don't like a real heavy jig. You know, I fished actually a three ace quite a bit. And if you put anything else on there, that's, you know, that's not a chunk or a smaller chunk like that. It just pulls too much water, you know, and it sinks way too slow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, weight in a jig is, is so crucial as far as, you know, getting bites and in pairing that with a good plastic, you know, is really, really crucial as far as the action and the, you know, the rate of fall that you're going to get. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is with a chunk, you're seeing an increased rate of fall on your jig. So Oh, absolutely. You can, you know, yeah, 100%. You can justify using a lighter weight to get it down yep. faster. Yep. Yep. And for me, especially, you know, living in the north, we deal with a lot of grass licks up here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fishing a, a three A's through grass is a lot easier than throwing a half. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. You know, I can get way more bites on a three A's up here than a half because, mm-hmm. you know, the half just digs way you know too far down in that grass and then you gotta you know jerk it out and you're you know pulling grass with you and stuff like that where that three ace just kind of slides through there um Almost you know so it all of the grass too in spots yeah I would yep. like, yep. so a lot of times you know up here too especially this time of year when the water gets a lot colder you know the fish aren't quite as active and you know that three ace really you know, outperforms that, that half ounce or, you know, and I see it all the time. I, I sell a lot of these jigs, um, that I make, I've sold a bunch of them over the years to, to friends and, and stuff. And, um, the majority of them, like, you know, buying the half, half ounce ones. And I'm like, you know, Hey, that's fine by me. You know, I catch a lot more fish on the, on the three ace than the half, but you know, seems like if you're, if you're throwing a flipping jig, you're throwing a half ounce, you know, that's kind of the, standby for pretty much everybody you know it's the half to the five ace you know those are the two sizes but you know there's something about that three ace that really you know really gets those fish and going is especially in colder water that makes sense i like it um so before we get into some unique fall baits um unless you have something else too andy my question for you and I think this is more of preference, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts on it. So watching you break down these cypress trees on Santee with a jig, 
and watching Luke Palmer doing the same thing, but with a Texas rig. I think it was like a young woolly bug or something like that. Uh, just a, a Texas rig, no skirt or anything like that. You're both, it's both effective for you guys. Um, but again, I think it's preference, but I'm curious for you, like when would you determine if you're going to flip a jig or you're going to flip a Texas rig? Oh, that's a great question. For me, honestly, it's a lot of uh, just confidence. You know what? I have confidence in throwing. Um, I'm not sure. There, there are some situations where you're going to get bit on either one or the other better. Um, you know, and that's kind of uh, through trial and error and experiment. But, you know, for me, it's more, I have more confidence in, you know, a jig than I do um, like a, let's say just a beaver style bait. Um, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much just it for me. I think my, my hookup ratio is a lot better with a jig than it is with a, a creature style bait. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of, you know, been it for me. I think I can get a, a straighter fall as well. Like when you're flipping cypress trees, um, you know, with a jig, you're going to get, you know, it's going to hit the bottom where you put it on the, you know, where you put it on that jig. And if you're flipping like a beaver, honestly, you have nowhere, you know, you have no idea where that thing's going to be going. Yeah. It's, you're going to get, it's going to be spinning or gliding to the yeah. side or, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, you can be a little bit more accurate with it that way, but Again, I mean, it's like, you know, I think, didn't he win um, flipping a creature this last year yeah. down there, I think? Yeah, I'm not sure what, exactly what bait he was using, but... Yeah, I think it was... Um, I just looked it up to confirm, because I, th- I think it is the woolly bug. I just, I double-checked, because after saying it woolly bug for the first time, I'm like, does that make sense? Because, like, I like the big bite. Yum's got, like, 34 craws, too, so I'm sitting there, I'm like is that the right bug or, or crawl for what he was throwing? Um, but it says, uh, mm-hmm. the internet say a woolly bug or cl- according to lure net. Yeah. It all depends on the bait. Like if he was throwing a craw, you know, then he's going to get a straight fall with that. Yeah. But any sort of, sort of beaver bait, you're going to be, um, yeah, pretty erratic yeah. with your action as it's fallen. For sure. All but, right. Well, yeah. Andy, for me though, it's, you know, it's a, it's a confidence thing. So that makes sense. Yeah, just kind of like a feel, intuition. Well, I think Bailey it broke up for a second. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can finish his sentence. He was talking about like feel and intuition and the way that you have confidence in the bait ultimately. And hopefully he comes back here because that's a pretty bad face if somebody wanted to screenshot it. But uh, yeah, but uh, no, I mean, ultimately to get more bites when you're fishing it's all about confidence you have to be what you're, you have to fish what you're confident in and that and that goes not just baits it's rod reel setup the whole way electronics mm-hmm. boat you have to have confidence in what you're doing if you don't you're not going to catch him i don't care what anyone says you be the best angler in the right. world and you have no confidence you're not catching fish so right you guys got right. me exactly yeah you're welcome back yep i have some hate mail that's going to be going towards my internet provider here soon but uh, <laughs> you've been yeah. saying that for three weeks. I know, and I'm still having hate mail sent towards it. It's just oh, sorry about that. Um, either way, jig fishing aside, looking at the fall, are you are you a guy that's going to pick up the jig and not let the jig down till the end of fall, or do you have some unique fall baits that not everybody is throwing? Because I feel like this time of year, it's like a a single swimmer, an a rig, a jerk bait, or a football jig. Is there anything unique that you throw in the fall time to catch some fish? I wouldn't say anything unique. Um, it's not like I just throw a jig and that's all I throw. <laughs> you know, I throw a bunch of other stuff, but my, my confidence baits up here in the fall, you know, consist of uh lipless crankbait, probably number one, uh square bill, um, obviously a jig, uh, jerk bait, especially for when it gets a little bit colder out, um, especially for smallmouth up here as well. Uh, jerk baits, dynamite this time of year. Um, you know, and swim bait probably, um, like a larger, you know, larger swim bait, like a big kite tech or something, you know, 4.8 inch or something like that is usually really good. Um, you know, this uh, time of year, but on like a jig head or like a, uh, just with a jig head, just with a standard, a standard jig head. Yeah. Do it molds makes one. It's just a, uh, basically just a bullet head. I mean, it's, it looks like just a you know, 
just a bullet head. It's got two little uh, keepers that come out of each side, and I glue on, you know, I'll glue my swim baits on. But yeah, it's uh, it's just pretty standard standard baits. Makes sense. Uh, I've been seeing more guys doing so, the like big Kitek or big Rage Swimmer with uh, doing like that line through technique, taking the like the small tubing going through and using a treble hook over using uh, a jig head or an EWG, which I thought is is interesting. I don't know why they choose that style of rigging over, say, a jig head or weighted EWG. Right, right. Yeah, I've just used the one. Um, I use actually the, the same hook that I use in my jig, the 294. I generally use like a three-odd um, in that one, but uh, generally don't throw trebles. You know, they... You know, we're we're using we're using them through a lot of grass up here, so you kind of gotta with that technique, you know, fish it over the grass and you know get bites that way. So you know, trouble just wouldn't be you yeah. know very efficient in that sort of cover. Yeah, in complete agreement with you on that one. Um, well, Andy and I also we came to the show with some three what we we like to think is quote unquote unique fall baits. Um, so I guess Andy. Do you have one you want to throw in the in the ring? Yeah, so like probably the most unique one I have that we'll catch smallmouth on from time to time on Lake Erie. And I'm sure this could apply to like any deep water spot in a lot of lakes across the country. It's just like the two and three quarter to three and a quarter inch jig and wrap. Like it's just deadly. You can hang it right in front of their face and slowly twitch it and catch a lot of big fish with it. Especially mm-hmm. if they're eating perch or like um, any type of shad, and put it right in that bait fish school. That you know, you know how it is, Bailey. It's a good one. <laughs> I think it was uh, Cody Huff that put out a pretty good video. I want to say it was Wired to Fish. He did it with jig and wrap. Uh, yeah. Just like saying that it's good in the summer too when they start schooling. But when they start school in the do summer, you throw that like- thing at all, or do you just uh, that's all vertical jigging? For me, a lot of times, like blade baits, jigging spoons, and the jigging wrap. For me, it's all vertical, up and down. All vertical. I just, yeah. I have the most content. I I have the most confident going up and down. So, right. I know some people do cast it for sure, and they kind of like hop it back, almost not not necessarily like a blade bait, um, but almost kind of like what you would do with like a finesse jig, kind of creeping, hopping it back. Obviously, pending mm-hmm. bottom hardness to you, and and I'm sure some people are. I'm assuming nowadays people are throwing it on forward facing too, but, um, but I mean, like it's worked on summer, you know, schooling fish, things like that all the way up to fall when it gets super cold. Um, and they're kind of like super right. close to bottom, kind of keeping above them like a Damiki. Yeah. Um, and the cool part one, is no matter how cold it gets, you can actually shake that jig and wrap pretty quick and it'll stay almost in place and just do or a real soft quiver. And I think that's what gets a lot of fish to bite it. So <laughs> it's simple and stupid. So that's yeah. why fish like it. <laughs> Very simple and stupid. Yeah. Uh, which when we were talking about, you can use it almost like a Demiki hovering above them. Um, that was one of my, well, it was kind of a little bit sneaky and I used it in the summer too, but taking a Demiki bait, almost say you take a boot tail, cut off the boot tail and insert like a Z-Man TRD spins. So it's a blade instead. You need to slow roll that instead. So all it is, this is a little blade in the back. That's something I've thrown like last fall and caught some fish when they're kind of being weird. But one thing that I've learned to love to throw, and I'm actually curious if, if you've thrown it at all, Caleb, um, it's becoming a little bit more popular, but the free rig. Mm-hmm. A heavy crawl or pending if it's a heavy owl wife lake i'll, I'll free free rig like a beaver or uh, even free rig like a three three and a half inch swim bait so that like when you lift that free rig up the weight falls and it's just a small swim bait that's that's kind of coming down you can use like a one thirty second ounce nico to make that fall a little bit faster if you want to but i've always found that that is a, mm-hmm. that's an interesting one yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't experimented with that one a, a whole lot, um, but I can I can see it how it'd be you know pretty effective in the fall you know especially when you're dealing with you know um, you know real negative fish. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of weird. It's like flipping a Texas rig because like you can flip it under docks and things like that, or you say you're flipping grass with it. 
But like setting the hook on it is like setting the hook on a Carolina rig. Like you got to lean into it a little bit because those fish could be off with your bait and your right. weight. Is yeah, almost like a Carolina rig would be. It's I catch one. up to him. Bailey froze, but he's so excited talking about the free rig. Look at how happy he is here. That's great. <laughs> no, I. The cool thing about the free rig that I found, Caleb, I started experimenting with it a ton this year, and um, it catches both smallmouth and largemouth a ton. So you can like mm-hmm. go and fish it in grass with a light weight and lift and shake it, or you can go out deep and catch them in like 30, 40, 50 foot of water and catch smallmouth on it. So it's it's a cool right. little technique. I can I can see your frustration boiling, Bailey. My back. <laughs> yes. Oh, boys, it's uh, it's almost gun season here for whitetail in New York, and I might just uh, pin a tail on my my router here and shoot that thing up instead of a deer. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Matt Robertson on it. Yeah, that's oh, right. Man. That's exactly right. So, actually, fun story. Fun story for you, Caleb. Uh, speaking of that, Matt Robertson thing. So, my full time gig is I work in PR uh, for an agency, and one of our our biggest client is Pure Fishing. And I think it was two years ago when Matt posted that video and he posted that video because I was tasked with making a, a naughty and nice list for the pure fishing pros. And I put Matt on the naughty list because his hair made everyone else look bad. And that's how he <laughs> returned fire at putting on the naughty list. <laughs> Cause I can't remember what he said to the camera, but he's like, uh, he was like naughty list or something. Santa. He's like, we'll take this and just blows up his deer in the backyard. Oh, the Tannerite. That was that was the craziest thing ever. I that kind of put him on the map for me. I don't know. I'm like, who is this dude? <laughs> you know, I think he wasn't uh, he wasn't real well known then either. I think he I think he just qualified through the opens that that year. Yeah, I think so. Nobody really knew who he was. Yeah, I think he took off like you were saying when he. I think it was the year when before he qualified, where he uh, won the open, got some publicity from that, and people were like, "Man, this guy's freaking cool." They're relating to him. Oh yeah, when he wore the jacket. Yeah, yeah. But like, if you if you followed bass fishing avidly, I think you you knew who Matt Robertson was because he won uh, an open a few years prior to that. Uh, Especially, I think if you're from like Kentucky, Tennessee area, you knew who Matt was because he was probably taking your money that weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, the dude's freaking character. Uh, it's, I, I think he's one that's showing that regardless of your personality, if you let your personality show, you're, you're going to find some, a little bit more success on the business side of things. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you look back at the, the history of Bassmasters and, and some of the biggest names, you know, over there aren't necessarily, you know, for, for fishing purposes, you know, some of them just have great personalities and they, you know, show up. Not that, I mean, Matt, man, obviously he can uh, catch them with the best of them, you know? Oh but, yeah. Yeah. If you got a, per- a personality, you can, uh, you can go somewhere on the elite series. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll totally agree with that. Cause you have, uh, you got Robertson. I'd say you could put Maddie Wong in there that he was like an, he was an actor over in LA you got uh, obviously Ike's one up there that started a, a whole new trend of just being wild and crazy. Uh, I mean, being you got crazy. Yep. Trad Pipkins that has a salon sponsor because of his hair. Like you got you got a whole spectrum of guys there <laughs> on the the pro circuit that are just a little bit. If you show your true colors, it's uh, yep. things will happen to you. At this so, point, all you're missing yeah. is the Hooters boat again, and you'll be right in line with everything. That's that's Caleb. Caleb's up next. You're gonna run the Hooters yeah. boat next year, aren't you? <laughs> be me. Yeah, you, you know it. <laughs> the bush latte wrap, and we'll be doing big things on the Elite Series. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody like uh, Swindle or something to run the Victoria's Secret boat next year. Hot pink. <laughs> who's that? Who's that one guy who uh, who who wore the wig? Was that John Cox? Oh, the a number of years ago or was that i don't think maybe it wasn't even a wig i think he just dyed his hair like blonde or something like that for yeah, it was a couple a events yeah i'm pretty sure it was john cox yeah john he had cox some crazy had... hair do <laughs> for a while yeah yeah that was john he was the dreads and and he was blonde yeah <laughs> yep yep yeah that was john. yeah i think his kids made him a blonde for a while 
Well, then you guys, you got guys like Hunter Shryock doing the alter ego of Larry the Legend, talking like a Canadian yeah, we, with a wig on. Talk about somebody we haven't seen in like it feels like a couple of years since Larry's made an appearance. Yeah, been I've been trying to provoke that. I, I talk crap all the time. I saw Hunter's truck at a boat ramp on Chickamauga one time, and so I left him a note on his front windshield that said, I, I like Larry Legend over Hunter, just to kind of poke some fun on it. I, I wish he would bring that back, but uh, maybe, maybe it'll come back. I mean, he just had a kid, so shout out to the Shryox. Him and Felicia yeah. are, are amazing people. Uh, so maybe the Larry the Legend will come out with, with his kid or something like that. Oh boy. <laughs> Who knows? It might provoke our madness. kid might be scarred for life. <laughs> yeah. Who is this clown? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you got to be in the heat of business time, Caleb, you know, getting ready for, for next year. You mentioned you got the new boat on the way and everything. So you're probably in the heat of getting conversations going for next year. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, just kind of getting things wrapped up this year and, you know, looking forward to, to next year. Um, looks like I'm probably going to be, you know, um, you know, with a lot of the same companies and stuff uh, next year. So, awesome. um, yeah, looking forward to it. Like I said, selling my boat probably next week, uh, getting that ready to go. I just changed the oil on it today and, you know, got to clean it up a little bit, make it presentable. And, uh, yeah, getting my new one in here in probably three weeks or so, I would say. So. Looking yeah. forward to that. Got all the parts for it already. Got my power poles uh, coming. Um, got my batteries coming in here shortly. My impulse lithium batteries. Got uh, you know some graphs coming too. So looking forward to it. I enjoy it every year. I build out my own boat. You know, I do all the electronics and everything, and wire you know wire it all up, and I enjoy doing that. So looking forward to it. Heck yeah! Are you a guy that loads up like thirty rods? for practice type of deal or do you keep everything pretty simple? I keep it pretty simple. I mean, I generally only have probably, honestly, probably 20 rods uh, when I leave the house and go to go to an event, you know, I'm not, you know, the 40, 50 rod kind of guy, you know, 20 rods. Does it for me. Jig, so it's really only 16 rods. Cause you know, right. four count for a jig. yeah. Yeah. Four of them are going to be the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, anything coming up? For... Yeah, no, I keep it pretty simple. Heck yeah, Any, anything coming up over the off season that people can look out for going into to next year for for Caleb Kufal? Um, boy, I just hope I do better. <laughs> yes, you know, I had a rough year last year. Um, you know, the Elite Series. I'm just hoping that I, you know, honestly, I can't. It's hard to put a kind of a. a you know, my, my finger on it is, you know, exactly what went wrong last year. Uh, um, you know, I did well the year before I was top 20 in points and this last year, it's like just everything went wrong. Um, you know, the schedule wasn't quite, you know, what I had hoped, but, you know, lost a lot of key fish during the year, you know, made poor decisions, just, you know, when it starts to go bad, it usually all goes bad. So, you know, it's hard to, to right the ship a lot of times, you know, when you got that kind of momentum going in the wrong direction, but, you know, hopefully uh, we can turn that around and, you know, next year will be good to go. So Absolutely. Well, next year is a new year. They say clean slate. We have a lag. Yep. Well, it's getting dude, dark in here. So it is getting yeah. dark. So we'll, we'll hit you with our last question. We'll let you go so that you can get out of your truck. <laughs> Uh, so our last question is for everybody. That's their first time on the show, that sort of thing. And that is if you could sit down with three different individuals, they don't have to be fishing industry. They could be sports. They could be alive thousand years ago, alive. Now it doesn't matter. You could pick three different individuals to sit down, have a steak, have a beer, pick their brain. Who would you invite? Number one would be Rick Klon. Well, do they have to be alive or dead or doesn't matter? They, they could be bad. alive 10,000 years ago. It doesn't matter. Anybody you want. 10,000 years ago. <laughs> Number one would be Rick Klun. I look up to that guy a lot. Um, you know, I do a lot of camping myself at a lot of these events, and um, I've got to talk to him on, you know, several occasions. And, um, you know, there's nobody in the sport that's, you know, got more experience than him. Than him and, you know, I just – really look look up to what he's done you know in the sport but so no he would be number one uh boy 
Number two, they'd have to be all in the fishing world, I think. Probably, probably Bill Dance. Guessing okay. he'd be he'd be probably one. Um, yeah. And uh, John Cox, I think, would be my be my number three. Your boy, you're in some so, for some crazy. I like John. He's yeah. you know he kind of fits my same style of uh, of fishing, you know. Uh, but he's definitely in a league of his own as far as yeah i don't know how he does it i don't know how he does it you know he's got such an amazing resume you know in fishing the way he does you know especially with the influx of technology and stuff just to see what he has done and continues to do you know in in light of all that is just amazing i think that means you just need to dye hair blonde and get some dreads that way you can I guess so. Some, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Must be the ticket. But yeah, I mean, the three of them at the same table, you're going to have some crazy conversations, I'm sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, dude, uh, appreciate you a ton for taking the time to come on here and drop some uh, some jig juice. I know there's so many dang videos out there talking about jigs, but you know, making yours from scratch uh, and talking about the different nuances you do to like, keep the chunk on there. That was pretty dang cool. So appreciate you coming on and sharing that. Um, and I know we're going to have you on again, hopefully here soon before, before season kicks off and kicks off to a, a good start for you. I hope so. Yep. I appreciate it, guys. All right, man. We'll be talking to you real soon. All righty. Thank you. See ya. Have a good night. Dude, that shrink wrap deal on the shank of the hook. Brilliant. That, that was awesome. That was freaking cool. But uh, again, thank you to Caleb for joining, uh, talking about that, especially with with do it molds, man. Like you, like you could see how nuanced you can get. It. Like if you want your jig perfect, they're perfect I mean, to what you want. Personally. Exactly, exactly. Because you can tailor. I mean, there's a lot of great jigs out there, but it's not your jig unless you you make it. You know what I'm saying? So it's because there, there's some tungsten jigs I buy right now still through Omnia that they're good. But there's definitely some things that I would like different about them, whereas you can go and make exactly what you want uh, with do it molds. So uh, if you guys want to check out his exact setup uh, from rod reel line all the way to the jig he makes, we'll link all of that again down below. So you guys can click and head over there and uh, get some yourself. Um, but beyond that, man, I'm just looking forward to any to, to go and fishing this weekend because I need it. Uh, the fiance, or I almost said fiance, the wife. You did say fiance, the wife. I know. Let's get it That's right. Weird, man. I got to get used to that. Uh, the right. wife told me, uh, she's like, get out of the house because she's going to, she's coaching a swim team. So she's, uh, she's going to be busy, which means I get to go fishing all day. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that and, uh, pouring some do it molds myself because it's getting about that time where we're trying to get stocked up and ready for, for next year. And that's going to consist of a lot of downtime of, pouring pouring jig heads pouring some plastics uh things of that nature i'm hoping to do a nice stunt in uh florida this winter too so uh, pouring a bunch of the uh uh the boat was the boat the beetle boshi beetle i can't remember the how it's specifically called that looks like a bad freaking dude for punching um but nonetheless uh great episode today um if anybody wants to come up and do some steelhead or smallmouth fishing should they how should they reach out to you uh, just find my Instagram or click the email down below in the description, and that would be the easiest way. Cool, cool. Well, folks, if you want to get on some banner smallmouth fishing on Lake Erie uh, or just fishing in general around the Buffalo area, uh, steelhead-wise as well, this is the guy to get in touch with. But, uh, folks, if you guys have not gotten signed up and you want to for our weekly newsletter, uh, shoot us an email or go to our website, seriouslanglernetwork.com, to do so. And also, another reminder, uh, our brand new show, Kayak Fishing Weekly on the network, is launching next, yeah, I think it's next Thursday. Next Thursday, November 2nd, is going to be episode one. So, calling all kayak anglers, we're going to have uh, it's so exciting. that show. Gonna be, it's going to be ripping on the Serious Angler YouTube channel, but also it will be on its own MP3, Kayak Fishing Weekly, wherever you find this show, Serious Angler. So, make sure you guys check it out. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see you on the next one. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, 
please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.